Welcome to So Dead, a podcast so good it's criminal. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, girls and boys. Today we're going to be talking about gangsters. Gangsters. Mm, I'm so excited. Um, Michigan isn't typically associated with organized crime, but we do have our connections to mob kingpins and other undesirables. And we're talking the big guns, too. Yes. Like Al Capone, mm-hmm. Mickey Cohen, the Purple Gang. The big dogs. Right. So Mickey Cohen was the mob kingpin of the West Coast in the mid-1900s following the death of his mentor, famed gangster Bugsy Siegel. In his youth, Mickey Cohen was involved in an illegal boxing ring and was an accomplished prize fighter. During the Prohibition area... <laughs> The Prohibition area, you know that one that area, one area yeah. where the Prohibition was? That was the only spot. <laughs> During the Prohibition era in the 1920s, he moved to Chicago and became involved in organized crime as an enforcer for Al Capone's infamous Chicago outfit. He would go on to work for mobsters in Cleveland for a time before settling in Los Angeles in 1939, where he worked at Bugsy worked as, this is going to be a toughie for me today. (laughs) He worked as Bugsy Siegel's right-hand man. After Bugsy's assassination in 1947, Mickey took over organized crime operations for the entire West Coast. He is said to be responsible for countless deaths, kidnappings, robberies, and the like. Most of the time he spent in prison was due to tax evasion, however, uh, and unlike most key players in organized crime, he actually died a natural death at an old age. It was during his days as Al Capone's enforcer that he spent some time in good old Michigan. Lake Lansing is a public park and beach located just east of Lansing. Ever been there? I've been there. I've been there. Not in a a long time. I haven't been there since I was a child, but this past 4th of July we went uh-huh. early in the morning. We yes. were the first ones there. Oh, wow. It's so cool. Is it? It is really cool. They have the old racetracks that okay. you can ride your little three big wheel, you know, the kids' big wheels. Yeah. They have a racetrack for those oh, with little fun. big wheels to the side. I heard a rumor that they're getting the carousel back. <gasps> oh. And it's really just cute. I mean, they have like the little... um Food stands. They have little fire pits and grills. Yeah, I haven't been there in years. I mean, it's really cute. It's really cute. Nice. I highly recommend. Anyway. Well, check it out, guys, if you're in the Lansing area. Um, So it was not always known as Lake Lansing. It was once called Pine Lake. And in the late 1800s, it was a home to the Pine Lake House and the Izzer Club. The Pine Lake House was a resort hotel complete with a casino and a dance club. While the Izzer Club was a men's social club built on pylons in the middle. <laughs> what are pylons? Pylons? Is that the right word? Stilts in the middle Got of it. the lake. That's oh what a pylon gosh. is. <laughs> I need to eat or. So it was built in the water. It was built in the middle of the lake, in the water, rising up out of the water. We don't have those anymore around here. Nope. A men's social club where all sorts of unsavory business was said to occur. Yeah, it did. Right? 
Mickey Cohen was said to spend many a summer at both the Pine Lake House and partying at the Izzer Club. Um, Al Capone's bootlegging operation had stops all over Michigan, and the Izzer Club was the perfect place for criminal activity. It was surrounded by water, so approaching law enforcement could be seen from a mile away. It had a trap door that emptied directly into the lake, so any illegal alcohol, weapons, or rival gang members being kept there could easily be disposed of in a hurry. So Capone's gang, Mickey Cohen included, could take care of business at the club on the lake, then party and relax at the Pine Lake House, which made it an ideal location for mob I love the trap Business door. dealings, right? Isn't Get out of crazy? here. Right. <laughs> so the Pine Lake House mysteriously burned down in 1929. It was replaced by the Dell's Ballroom, which Mickey Cohen also visited frequently. Now, the Izzer Club, the Dell's Ballroom, it's all been long since torn down. But who knows mm-hmm. what is resting at the bottom of Lake Lansing? Uh, I, I doubt very highly that they dredged the entire lake when they tore down the Izzer Club. I hate swimming, but if I was like a diver, I'd be all over it. It's where the bodies are buried. <gasps> what if Jimmy Hoffa's there? <gasps> I'm sure they've looked, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's another story, though, right? Right. So then we've got good old Al Capone. Al Capone became the leader of what was known as the Chicago Outfit in 1925 at the age of 26. During his reign, he was said to be responsible for upwards of 30 murders, either directly or indirectly. He was never convicted of murder, though. Like most good criminals, it was tax evasion that eventually brought him down. You gotta pay those taxes, people. Got to. So would we consider him an alleged serial killer? I mean, I guess. What is it, more than... Four? More, More than, than seven? Four. I think they, they categorize organized crime differently because it's not done out of, I'm not going to say this word, right? Sociopathy. Okay. Did I, I know what you mean. Right? Because It's you're- not done because you've got to kill. It's business. It's business. It's money. So I think that they categorize that it's differently. It's the consequence. Right. Okay. Um, Interesting. So I already talked a little bit about Capone and his associates and the bootlegging business traveling through Michigan. Um One of the reasons that Al Capone was so successful was that he monitored his operations very closely, which means where his booze went, he went. So Al Capone had connections all over the state of Michigan Mm -hmm. in his heyday. He had cabins up north and in the Upper Peninsula, uh, all up and down the west side of the state. He actually spent the summer of 1927 hiding out in the Lansing area following the assassination of a prosecuting attorney in Chicago for which he was blamed. His favorite restaurant? Danny, you ready for it? Amos. Emos? Amos. <laughs> I love it! So... You guys remember Amos, right? If you're from the Lansing area. Um, and... If you don't, you remember it from episode one. And if you don't, listen to episode one. One? Three. Three? Three. Three. So can I sidebar about him living in the Lansing area? Yes. Rumor has it he did have a house in East Lansing. Okay. And my mom took us to her former boss's house when I was young in East Lansing. I could not tell you where it is at all. It's an older home. But... 
it was believed that that is Al Capone's old oh my house. God, how and cool. there were hidden rooms everywhere. It Did was you really know the coolest it house. When you were there? My mom knew it. I was like six at the time. So, I, you know, it meant nothing to me, but my mom knew it. And I remember like the little rooms and they had turned them into like reading nooks. Oh my and, gosh. But they were like hideout rooms. How cool is uh-huh. that? It is so super cool. I wish I could remember where it was. Me too. We'd be there. Right. <laughs> so back to Amos. Uh-huh. Uh, Amos. In the 1970s, uh, my dad actually played in a band with Amel himself. Not the original Amel. Um, I think that there's like lots of them. Generations. Mm-hmm. Yep. So senior, junior, third, fourth, When fifth. did Amel's open? Do we it know? It was Lansing's oldest restaurant, and it was open in the 20s. Okay. So, and it was Amel's then. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So definitely my dad was not jamming with Amos Sr., but one of them. Not the OG. (laughs) No. So he worked right across the street from the restaurant also when I was growing up. So I have lots of memories of that place myself. Um, Al Capone loved Amos. He had his own table, and when he would walk through the doors, if someone was sitting in his spot, the staff would immediately have them moved so that Capone could have his table. Uh, He also had a summer house at Round Lake in Langsburg, which was right on the beach. His summer house was just down the street from a casino and nightclub called Club Roma, where a gentleman could buy a pretty young lady a dance for just 10 cents. Fun fact, I wrote down, a gentleman could buy a pretty young lady for just 10 cents. (laughs) Maybe that too. was not wrong. No, maybe a little, maybe 25 cents. (laughs) Yeah. They were high-end hookers. <laughs> Sex workers. Sex workers. They were Thank high-end. You. My bad. <laughs> Capone was a regular at Club Roma, selling and consuming bootleg liquor, uh, dancing, swimming, hanging out on the beach. He was also known to ride around town in his big fancy car. When he would spot children playing outside, he would roll down his window, call them over, and give them candy. So he was probably just trying to be neighborly, but needless to say, the parents in town were not too happy about this. Uh, Al Capone's summer house still stands on the banks of Round Lake, and Club Roma is now the Lakeview Banquet Center, which is a popular wedding venue. I have been to a wedding there. There you go. It used to be Jambalaya's. It did. Jambalaya's was a restaurant back in the 90s. 90s, I believe. Mm -hmm. They had cool uh, commercials. I never went there, but I they, remember the commercials. I never went there either, but I do Cajun. remember the commercials. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that is the story of Al Capone and Mickey Cohen in Lansing. Crazy. Yeah. So in the Detroit area, mm-hmm. I – not me. Not me. <laughs> Are you sure? Mm-hmm. That's the big reveal I researched. Episode. Danny's an organized I researched boss. here in Lansing, but I – was researching about a organized crime in the Detroit area. Okay. That's what it's about. So there were four brothers, Abe, Joe, Raymond, and Izzy Bernstein. Were they by chance tall white guys? They <laughs> were Jewish. Okay. Um, I did check to see if there was relation to the law firm, like Sam Bernstein. Oh, Yeah. I can't find anything. And they're spelled differently. So okay, I so believe probably there's not. probably no connection. Okay. But it's the same area of the state. So I was so curious that there's a connection. How interesting would that be? For sure. 
Um, okay, so they moved to with their parents to the Detroit area from New York City. Um, they moved to Hastings Street neighborhood, known as Paradise Valley. Oh, was it like must have been amazing, beautiful there? I'm, or? That's my guess. Okay, yeah. Um, they did attend the Bishop School, and. They were placed in the division for problem children. Oh. So they were kind of hellions. They were little shits. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, the brothers started off as petty thieves. Um, they would be like, they were like shakedown artists working for other gangs in the area. Um, they started associating with older kids in the neighborhood. And they helped them progress to be into more lucrative crimes like armed robbery, extortion, and hijacking. Um, they then started to get notoriety for um, being hired, or they were they were hiring other gangsters to work for them. So, so they started out as being kind of hired help. But then they started they to kind of do the their hires. own thing and became the hirers. Correct. Correct. Got it. Um, they were known as the Purple Gang. The Purple Gang? The Purple Gang. The, I mean, the that Purple Gang. <laughs> well, when you say it like that, it definitely doesn't sound intimidating. But the just Purple in- Gang, see? Um, <laughs> they, there are theories about how they got their name. Okay. So they're kind. It's kind of entertaining. Let's hear it. So one member um, was a boxer, and he wore purple shorts. <laughs> so, so they, they were w- named after a pair of sweaty boxing shorts. That's, That's how you want to start your theory criminal one. enterprise. Yep. Okay, theory one, theory two is that two shopkeepers were talking one day about the boys, and they were like, "Those boys are bad, like bad meat." You I like love, how I'm doing their voices? I love your accents; they're great. <laughs> They were said to, it's that they said, um, these boys are not like other children. <laughs> They're tainted, off color. Tainted? Tainted. They're tainted? Mm-hmm. Tainted. I'm not singing it. You sing it. Tainted boys. I don't know to that To the tune song. of Tainted Love. Oh. Tainted boys. There you go. I almost did it. Did you hear bah, me? And then bah. I was like, no, we don't sing. <laughs> I shouldn't. Sings. I shouldn't. Danny sings. Jen does not sing. Um, so then he said, they're rotten. Purple, like the color of bad meat. <laughs> they're a purple gang. <laughs> that's my terrible 20s gangster <laughs> accent. Excuse me. That's so great. So, yeah, rotten, purple, like the color of bad meat. So they became the purple gang. That one I like. I like that better than I the purple too. sweaty gym shorts. They're rotten, see? The color of bad meat, you see. Every time you say it, you have to go, you see. You see. And then you've got it. Okay. Or that's what I tell myself. Okay, so they became famous for stealing booze cargoes from other gangs. Um, They started a business partnership with... None only, none other than Al Capone. See that mm-hmm. Al, and they supplied him with Canadian whiskey. 
Okay. They were also known for kidnapping other gangsters and holding them for ransom. Oh. The FBI reportedly suspected them as being involved with the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. <gasps> no. Yes. Isn't that great? That's crazy. So did you know Prohibition started... 1921, sure. was it? If you say 1920. So. It was 1920. It was 1920 because in 1917 is when Michigan adopted that law. We were just never any fun. No. We never had the death penalty. We <laughs> outlawed booze before anybody else. Did you know that in Michigan it's still illegal uh, <laughs> so it was easy though for bootlegging then because we have Canada and then we had like Ohio. Right. So they would just travel not very far, get their booze and bring it back here, you see? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, that was just an interesting fact. That when I was researching this, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, um, the Purple Gang is noted to hire themselves out as hitmen, and they took part in the Cleaners and Dyers War. Cleaners and Dyers? Not dryers, because I always want to say dryers, but it's dyers. Cleaners and dyers, like people who dye clothing. Oh, okay. And then people who clean clothing. Okay. So, it was union-based, which, interestingly, like, a lot of the organized crime has some sort of connection to the union. Yeah. So, anyway. So, they took part in the Cleaners and Dyers War, which was where the gang members would use violence to keep the laundry industry union members in line. Okay. I didn't realize laundry was such... Part of the union? Big business. It's big business I back in the 20s. Oh so. My goodness. They had to keep the fedoras clean, you see? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop. I can't help it. It's almost addicting. It's so great. Um, They'd also charge owners of the area cleaners and dyers $1,000 per week for protection against violence. So, so it was they like, were creating the violence and then charging to protect people from right. the violence they were creating. Right. They were tainted. They, yeah. I mean, genius on a, such an easy le- – er, not easy, evil level. Yes. So – um. They were arrested and charged with extortion, but acquitted later. Surprise, because they're always acquitted, right? Um, They were most noted, most known for the St. Valentine's Day massacre. You know, back to my weird Chicago tour, Uh we went to the site of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Yes. Is it creepy? No. It's just an Is it empty, an operation? Or? No. Okay. It was a garage. And okay. so um, after the massacre, the garage was sold and a couple tried to operate it for many years, but people didn't really want anything to do with it. Um, and so it was torn down and now it's just an empty lot with a fence around it. But it's right in a neighborhood. And so what was really interesting was the part where he said, you know, now kind of turn around. In all of those buildings right over there, the gang members were watching out the windows, oh and gosh. that's where they did the stakeout from and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that part was really interesting, but yeah. That is super interesting. Not to give away one of their stops, but... No. 
Exactly. But it's super, yeah, I mean, that'll, a little advertising never hurt. I mean, I advertise <laughs> weird Chicago tours to death because they changed my life. Right. So. Right. Um, so if you're not familiar with the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, it happened on February 14th in 1929. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. They were so creative with their names. Um, okay, so seven members, associates. Wait, I have a really important question. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think that they wanted it to be called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, so they picked that day, or that it's just called that because that's the day they did it? Second. I like the first better. Do you? Yes. Because they were showing they, their love. No, they hated it as much as I did, and they were trying <laughs> to ruin so, it. So they created a massacre. <laughs> well, it's really interesting how the standards of a massacre then compared to, like, a massacre now. Yes. And I'm not saying, like, I don't know. I a don't massacre know is a what, massacre. Right, but how many people die for it to be considered I a massacre? Know. And I don't know if it's the number of people or the the method, you know, the brutality. Right. I mean, any way you die with murder is brutal. True. So, okay. So seven members associate and associates of the Chicago's Northside Gang were at a garage in a Lincoln Park neighborhood. They were lured there by the Purple Gang with the promise that they would get discounted whiskey. So they had all this whiskey. Mm-hmm. They were like, hey, you can come buy this. Cheap. Yeah. Ikea prices. Ikea prices. I mm-hmm. bet they said that too. Uh, they probably did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While waiting for them in the garage, two men dressed as police officers entered the building while two civilians followed behind. They lined the men against the wall and pounded them with bullets. I have a video of that being reenacted. Oh. Upon my family. It's Stop great. It. I swear to God, my youngest son was one of the shooters. He enjoyed it. Did thoroughly. he enjoy that? Yeah. Did he did he talk like this? No, you he see? Wouldn't. He oh. wouldn't. But I'll I'll tell him about the UCs and we'll I love that I I like appearance wise, your family looks like they have so much fun. Like okay, you guys, Jen's Christmas card this year was amazing. <laughs> They were doing like the Bohemian Rhapsody cover. And when I got that card, I was like, this is the best Christmas card ever. We try. We try. It just looks like fun. I also scream a lot, so don't be fooled. Yeah, but you got to keep it balanced. I've got four boys if I haven't ever (laughs) expressed that, guys. (laughs) So um, after they riddled them with bullets... Um, one was still alive when the real police arrived, but he refused to identify the shooters. Because this was, I mean, this was in a neighborhood. There was mm-hmm. no escape. I mean, there right. really isn't escape from anywhere in Chicago, but it was right, right. in the middle of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he did later die, and reporters showed up shortly after to the scene, and... They started taking the pictures. So the newspapers the next day had these pictures of these dead men on the cover. And back then, you know, now if you see it, you don't even see it with like a sheet over the body. Yeah. Like they just don't, they try not to show that stuff. Yeah. Um, Which I think is respectful. It is. Because they're still reporting, but they're being respectful. Yeah. But 
back in the day, they would show the scene, but they'd put like a big X over the body. Oh, Okay. In the paper. And this was the very first picture ever where it showed the bodies. Oh, my god! So it caused kind of an uproar with the communities. Right. And just, you know, the, pub- the general public. Mm-hmm. So with that, because it caused such an uproar, there was more attention right. to organized crime. Right. Because the... Police were kind of like turning a blind eye or maybe corrupt. Uh, Both. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it was like, okay, they're being forced to pay attention and do something about this because people don't want to see these things in their neighborhoods on the paper. Right. In the paper. Um, So after this, a few years later, in 1931, they were also involved in the Collingwood Manor Massacre. Okay. Um, that is when they had an inner gang dispute. So that was the Purple Gang against the Purple Gang. Oh. Uh-huh. Three Who, of the members. Who's going to win? I don't uh, The Purple Gang. Okay. Team Purple? Yes. <laughs> was it the one with the boxes or was it the one with the bad meat? <laughs> bad meat. <laughs> <laughs> So three of the members violated the underworld rules and operated out of their jurisdiction. So they were kind of going rogue. Okay. Um, It was, it resulted in a dispute within the gang. And then later they were invited to an apartment in on Collingwood Avenue. Okay. Is this in Michigan? I believe so. Okay. The Collingwood one, I believe it. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up now. You got me questioning <laughs> That's okay. it. Um, they thought they were going to a peace conference with other members no, of the no. gang. Why? Why would you trust? Why would you ever trust them? Um, when they got there, they were gunned down by members of their own gang. I would say that they trusted them because they were um, organized criminals are known to be super trustworthy. Right? Were they? No. <laughs> I'm like, were they? No, no. They were criminals. Um, and FYI, thank you, Google, for the assist. Uh, this happened in Detroit. Okay. Collingwood. So, yes. Is in Detroit. Yes. Okay. So three members were convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to prison for life. They served their sentence in Marquette, Michigan. Which is just super up north. Super up north. Super up north. (laughs) Not the upper peninsula. They're they're just going to be super up north. Super up north. Also known as the UP. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Their convictions are said to be what broke the backs of the once powerful purple gang. Oh my. Right? Um, They're referred to, this is kind of like a side note on like just social stuff. They're referred to in different things. Like Elvis Presley's song, Jailhouse Rock. Is about the Purple Gang? There's a section that says the whole rhythm section was the Purple Gang. Oh, I didn't know Isn't that. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. They're also referred to in the James Bond novels. Are they? Yeah, so they're much more famous than yes, you would I think. Mean, I didn't know a lot of this, but what I had read about them is that they were actually one of the most lethal organized crime mm-hmm. rings even though they're the ones that get the least amount of attention. But yeah. 
For sure. Um, it's because it's Michigan. Yeah. Michigan never gets any So attention. that's... That's what we're here for. Right. So that was 1931. It said that the, you know, the Collingwood Massacre was like the root of the their end. demise. Okay. However, in 1945, they were accused of having been involved in the January 11th murder of politician, State Senator Warren G. Hooper. <gasps> Who totally, that sounds like a rapper's name. Warren G. Hooper. Uh-huh. Maybe because of Warren I G. I went and saw Warren G. in concert Stop, when I was in I used to grade. love him. He was my favorite. He was such regulator. He was such a regulator. I had to do it. I'm so sorry. Dave's band in the ni- 90s, or early 2000s, early 2000s, covered regulators. <gasps> I know. Is there, I've yet to hear it. Is there video of this? Dave is Danny's husband, by the way. Mm-hmm. He, Make mention of him. He sits here silently laughing at us <laughs> as we record um, and helps us with a lot of our technical stuff. Okay, all of our technical stuff because we're right. terrible at it. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't tried. That's the issue. That, that is the big issue. <laughs> so Warren G. Hooper, he was driving home to Albion from Lansing, which is about so this is 40 local. minutes south. Yes, he was in Lansing. Um but if he was a state senator, he was probably working at the, at Capitol. the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting ready to testify before a grand jury about legislative graft. Now, I had to look up what graft was. Thank you for Because doing that. that is not in my vocabulary. Same. It is basically political corruption. Oh, okay. So there you have it. There was he a was, lot of that back He was then. going to testify about political corruption. Which would have affected the gangs that were corrupting mm-hmm. the politicians. Yeah, because okay. they had them in their pockets. Okay. Um, he was offered police protection but declined. His wife later said that he feared for his life, which was that probably le- it was legit because. Then why would you decline the protection? Yeah, if you were scared, he, a lot of pride maybe. Pride gets in the way a lot. He was a new stuff. senator, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he was newly been elected, and it was the beginning of the year. Was he? He might have been involved in something though, but he right. was offered immunity. Okay. Um, he was shot execution style. Oh no! And he was smoking a cigarette when he died, which lit the car on fire and partially burned his body. Oh my gosh! Right. Uh, here on April twentieth, Harry and Sammy Fleischer and Mike Selleck. Um, they were former members of the Purple Gang. Okay, and they were arrested and convicted for conspiring to kill Warren Hooper. Uh oh. So not killing him, but like planning it. Yep, and they were trying to hire people left and right. Okay, people testified against them. Okay, saying yeah, they tried to hire me too. Um, however, no one was ever convicted for the actual, like, murder. murder, and his case is still unsolved. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's the Purple Gang. Wow. Who knew, you guys? I thought my story was going to be exciting. That's exciting. It is exciting. There's so much more to know about them, too. I, I think that was just kind of an overview, but I think if you dig deep, I wonder if they're if you still dig around. Deep, they'll kill you. Right, so, you don't dig too deep. No, I like I like just what I found. I I like because it's it all too. alleged, tainted meat and all. <laughs> right, <laughs> purple meat. You see. 
Well, thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at So Dead Podcast. You can also find us online at SoDeadPodcast.com and email us your feedback and story ideas to SoDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Now get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks. <laughs> <laughs>